Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, what we're doing is we're now entering into what I like to refer to as the the fallow years, the dark ages. Um, <laughs> certainly, certainly in my time of support, it's just as the time I would, I just started to. I would have probably been, well, 1980. I would have been nine. So I, you know, after Terry uh, Terry Venables left, then we started to the crowd started to disappear. Uh, and I would have been one of the 4,000, you know, uh, on the Tuesday night against Lewin or whatever, um, and hello to the next person on the terrace. But as a player, how that must have been soul destroying. Yeah, it was it was it wasn't easy. He ran out from running out 30,000 fans like just a year before mm. to suddenly fall. But football. <coughs> Football in them days, that weren't just about football. Fans, the, 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 the fuggery and the violence at football games in, in that particular time, basically, I think, stopped thousands of fans going there. It was just, it was just not a nice... There was fights all the time, and uh, it, it weren't really till they sorted it all out. And that was only after a couple of disasters that they decided to sort of, like, put their act, get their act together. But... Uh, it, it wasn't a nice time to play football, I must admit. Uh, and it, it certainly wasn't good playing in front of four or 5,000 people. Okay, right. So let's gloss over the dark ages. And then <laughs> all of a sudden, the clouds, the heavens open, the clouds part, and down on this ray of light comes a little man called Stephen Koppel. Yeah, yeah. Now talk to me about Mr Koppel and what a genius signing, probably one of the best signings that Ron Nodes ever made, uh, Ian Wright apart maybe. Um, what, talk, talk to me about the influence from day one as to C.B. Cobble walking into the club. What did he bring? Well, he brought class as a, as a player because he was better than any player in his team. <laughs> we used to say to him in training, are you going to play on Saturday? And he went, no, because my knee will be like that big come Sunday morning. Um, but he was, uh, he, was, he, was, he was a good lad. You know, he was, he was probably a bit naive when he came in to start with. But he had uh, um, Ian Evans, who was an old teammate of mine, he, he sort of he come with them basically. And, do, you think, uh, do you think that was a smart move in his part because he was the link, wasn't he, between you, you guys and obviously yourself as um, one of the senior members of the squad. Obviously, yeah. you know, for, to have Ian as a, a go-between, maybe I thought that was that sounds quite a smart move. It was good. I, I think that was probably Nodsy as well. You know, looking for somebody because Ian had been about. He'd sort of been coaching Barnsley. I think he went to Swansea as a manager, and like I, I, I still keep him. So I know everything that happened there, but that's another story. But uh, I, he's one of the only players that I see on a regular basis. Of the families sort of like uh, involved with one another, and uh, so that was a, a, a great. I, I would probably think that was. Um, Ron Nodes brought him in but I think Steve I always remember Taffy saying to me one day uh, we'd, we'd done a session and uh, I can't remember what the session was and Steve afterwards sitting in the office said right he said that was great he said really enjoyed that he said so tomorrow and Taffy went oh hang on he said what, what do you mean tomorrow he said, well, we'll do it. He went, no. 
he said, we need to do the exact same thing again tomorrow. He went, why? He said, because this isn't Manchester United. You can't show them once and they'll get it. He says, you need to show them all week. <laughs> and then they might get it on Saturday. So I think he brought a, a, a voice of reason. But to be fair, Steve, Stevie Cockle was brilliant. I mean, he was, he was a, a, a really good coach. I, I enjoyed everything he did. Um, and he just, he gradually built the team. You know, we, when he took over, we had no money. You know, he, he, he couldn't buy. We were big. His eye for a player was something as well, wasn't it? Well, he went non-league and he, he brought in people. He got Ian Wright, he, Alan Pardew. You know, loads, loads of players of, of that ilk. Um, some obviously better than others. And, uh, but that's the only way they could, they could do it. Uh, they couldn't do it any other way because there was no money at the club. And, uh, do, you, do you still keep in touch with him? Uh, Steve, uh, the only time I see Steve, I normally interview him uh, in Spironi's. When he comes to a game, he'll always, like, they'll always grab hold of him and he'll come down and I'll do a little interview for five minutes. Um, I said to him the last time, well, I'm getting fed up with this because you're the only one that comes down and chats to me. Oh. Said, These are the same players. These are the same pl- the same uh, fans that were in here two months ago when we were talking about your Indian experience. So, but no, he's great, Steve. He's like, he's he's a really enthusiastic. I did that to him about getting back in, and he said, uh, I think that boat's floated now. He said, uh, but he likes to. He says he loved his time in India, and he was hoping maybe to go further afield and and try different sort of. Countries and that, because he's got a great name, isn't he? He's like, exactly. Thanks. Exactly I'm totally surprised that he's not involved here in some way. I mean, he's. A, I'm sure. I'm sure, like yourself and others, he'll gravitate gravitate back to home. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm just surprised that he's not managing like a championship side or a, a first division side. Maybe he don't want to. I don't know, but. He's, uh, he's he's certainly one of the better managers and it always amazes me that he's not involved. I mean, I'm just looking at a list of managers you've played under uh, during Palace, you know, Malcolm Allison, Terry Venables, Ernie Wally, Dario Grady, who was another unsung hero, wasn't he? Because he, he was like Dario Grady. What were your thoughts on playing under him? <clears throat> well, I think everyone knows sort of had his way. He... he, he I think he felt that I was on Dario's case. In, in them days, I think he felt I run the club. And Dario Did was you? Just, no, not at all. He was just suffering because of me. But Dario Grady come to us. We were in the old first division. I think there was a dozen games to go. We were down the bottom. I don't know if we were... I don't think we were rock bottom. But we were all in a, a little group. And... Uh, it was at Mitchum training ground. They gathered everybody, staff, all the players, so youth team, reserve team, first team. And his opening words were, this isn't my team. He says, I'm building now to get out of the second division next year. And Whoa, everybody, wow, there's a rally cry. Everybody just looked round. So he... <laughs> He said, I, I don't want to speak to anybody. He said, go and get changed. He said, I want to speak to you, pointing at me. Obviously, Skipper. So I walked in, and before he even opened his mouth, I went, 
you fucked that up, didn't you? Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course. Cool. I've got a beat machine, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, how can you walk in? I said, these like the, the, these this team, some of them were classed as a team of the 80s a year, a year ago. These are really good players. And they would have run through a brick wall for you. But how can you walk in and say, this isn't my team, I'm building. We're in the first division, but you're building to go to the second division next year. So basically you're just saying, forget this year, you're all done and dusted. I said, I've never heard a manager say that in my life. And I walked out the door and that was it. And uh, he was a good coach. Don't get me wrong. Uh, He put on really good sessions, but he used to always moan uh, after a game because midfield players wouldn't get in the box. But he used to love putting these little sessions on where he'd split the pitch into three groups, defenders, midfield. So he'd have three against two in one area, three against three in the other. But he wouldn't let midfield players come out of that line. There was a line drawn okay. across. That's and almost I, like the passing between the lines drills, yeah. is it? you say, well, but you're, you're restricting the midfield players going forward all week, but you're mourning because they don't get forward on a Saturday. Well, he said they should be better than that. I went, well, but sometimes if you tell and show players what you want and don't then say to them, but you can go in there... But other than that, he was a really good coach. I, I could never, ever take it away from him. But I, I must admit, when he left, I've never seen a, a group of players, and I don't mean first-team players, reserves, youth-team players, all just really happy. Get the, get the banners out and wave goodbye. Which was, which was sad, because I think the guy shown at Crew, like, he, he brought some... I mean, Jeff Thomas, he... Um, he brought uh, who was the other the fullback? Um, Murphy was there, wasn't he? At crew, yeah. He had, yeah the guy a was an unbelievably Austin. good coach. We the right back, can't remember his name. He was like a, a racing or something down. He he come from Crew as well. Um, yeah. He, oh, John Pemberton. Yeah, John Pemble. Yeah. yeah, he it was. Uh, it was a hard, it was a it wasn't a nice time then. Um but anyway. it's funny it, it's funny, isn't it, how um I think certain managers um certain managers are good at dealing with with egos and other yeah. managers can't deal with senior players and, and uh, their ideas are better suited to impressionable, you know, younger players coming through that are willing to learn a bit more and probably aren't quite so long in the tooth. Um, and I can see, I don't know about you, I mean, we'll come on to it a, a bit later, but I can see uh, similarities of what we've just been discussing with today's situation at the minute at the club. But let's move on then. Uh, so Stevie Cobble turns up, you know, things are on the up. And then for you, this is towards the end of your career with us. Yeah. Um, Talk me through about the you know the final months and um, how how you leaving the club came about. Uh, very straightforward. The, we played Manchester City at home last game of the season. I think it was twenty odd thousand there, so seventeen thousand. We we had just missed out on the playoffs. Uh, I think for the second year running and. Uh, Say we won two nil. I come off. My contract was finished, so I'm thinking. Well, he's not said nothing, so I'm I'm not really sure. But I went in on the Monday. Players had to go in and see him, 
different things. And he said, uh, I'm going to let you go. He said, if we'd have got in the, the first division, he said, I'd certainly have kept you. He said, but I need to look to build for the future. And I thought, fair enough. And I, I left and that was it. It was as simple as that. And, I, and then afterwards, I, I thought to myself, you coward, you could have told me that on Friday and I could have at least walked around and said goodbye to 17,000 fans. Yeah, I know. That and, was, that, that and that's, that's the, the, the only thing. I'm, I'm quite a sensible, level-headed type of guy. And when somebody says you're not wanted, I just say, fair enough, good luck. And I'm gone. And I don't look back. I've always been like that. But I did get a bit peeved off later on when I suddenly thought, why didn't you tell me during the week? And then I, I could have, we could have sort of done a little thing, let the, the, the fans know. And then I could have said, cheerio to them. So I always felt as if I never get the chance to say goodbye to my fans who had been unbelievable to me for 18 years. And I thought that was, that was quite sad. I thought it was sad on his part that maybe he didn't have the courage to tell me. It, it was probably quite hard for him because, like... Yeah, I, would, I, I, I would have thought that is... I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an inherent human tra- uh, uh, trait not to... Well, I mean, I'm saying this from my perspective. It probably isn't for quite a few people. Not to upset people, not to... Um, to avoid uh, conflict, as it were, yeah, and, yeah. and I, it always struck me because, again, clearly on a far, 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 far lower level, uh, I've run, I've been a manager of a team, and, and I always found the hardest thing was telling players they're not playing. Yeah. You know, be, 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 because of you know, oh, oh God, you know, but, but can you can you run the line for me or whatever, you know, that sort of stuff. So yeah. I always think for a manager, for a manager, you have to be a certain type of individual to be able to do that. But I, I but I guess if you're a salaried player then, you know, it's just it's just back to training the next week. But then to tell people that they're no longer required, I think that must be, as you say, I think that must be quite hard. And he would have still been in his mid to late 40s then as well, so quite inexperienced yeah. still as no, a manager. Was not, 40s? No, I finished when I was fair. I was coming up 30. No, I'm talking about Steve Cobble. Yeah. He, he, he must have still been relatively young as a manager. He was 28 when he came to us. Really? Blimey. So when I left, he was 30. Crikey. Well, so there you go. So well, it's still, it's probably, It was probably hard. I've got no... I mean, I respect the guy immensely. I've got... I wouldn't have a bad word said against him. But I just felt at that time it could have been... But maybe thinking, oh, he's been here 18 years. This is like not a decision I want to make. But I just said to him, well, these things happen. You know, you, you've got to move on. And that, that was the end of it. So... So, had you had any thoughts about your career at that point, in the, you know, around that time, or where, where did it did it just come out of the blue? And then you, and then, what were your thoughts about your career and how you were going to carry on, or if you were going to carry on? Well, to tell you the truth, I, if I was perfectly honest, I didn't really enjoy the last few years. It was a bit of a struggle. I had no problem with injuries, you know, like. But it almost got a bit mundane, you know. It was the same turning up for training, same sort of thing. And uh, I decided that once once I stopped playing, I've, I've always been involved in building, whether it's buying up properties or doing something. And uh, I, I just basically formed a building company. I, I'm one of these guys that's been lucky enough to be able to do... I, I mean, I've got no trade, 
my only trade is, was as a professional footballer. But if you ask me to plaster a wall, plumb a house, wire a house, I can, I'm not allowed to do it, especially the plumbing or the wiring, but uh, I could do all that. So I, I was fortunate that I got involved with a couple of surveyors who were friends of mine, and I ended up doing that for 30-odd years. I had a, a little building company, um, and, then, and I thought, I don't really want to get back into football. I did, like non-league. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, as we were talking before before we started this, is that I think it's probably a period of your career that not many Palace fans will actually, you know, realise that you can actually go on to play football for well, uh, till not for another six years, according according to the, the research, on and off. I mean, okay, not many of you played for Croydon a few times, Dartford, Bristol Rovers, and then I didn't play. Can you get on to Wikipedia and tell them that I did not play for Bristol Rovers? Okay, they got you down as one. One I appearance. Well, yeah, but surely... Was it that, a doppelganger? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was just a friendly. It was uh, okay. a reserve game. I met Peter Taylor, was manager, and he phoned me up. He said, Jim, he said, would you be interested in sort of coming down? And I went, well, I don't know, it's a long ways, Pete. And I'm like involved in me building now so anyway I drove down and I played one reserve game and uh, I was in the clubhouse afterwards and he, he came up to me and he said oh, he says this is really embarrassing he said my highest player is on £125 a week <laughs> I just laughed well it turned out his highest player was then just sold to Palace not that long after Nigel Martin <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't play for Bristol Rovers. Well, you did so in a friendly. Let's be. Oh, I mean, well, yeah. Let's get it. Let's get it straight. Wikipedia. Well, the only thing it was missing was friendly. Okay, but all right. The most enjoyable time again. Peter Taylor was manager of Dartford, and we had an unbelievable team. And uh, we won the Southern League. We just missed out on promotion by a point. Uh, and it, that was it. Was almost it was like going back. The Croydon thing was was rubbish, but it was like going back to non, uh, non uh, pro football because we were playing some of the big teams, there were sort of big stadiums and things like that. So it, that, that was quite enjoyable. And I enjoyed I, it. And then, yeah. and then I was surprised. And again, uh, forgive me for using Wikipedia as a source, but uh, you had a short spell as a manager. So I was you... manager of Dulwich Hamlet. I managed. I was manager of Dulwich Hamlet. We got promoted out of the uh, whatever the league it was, Deodora into the Deodora Premiership, where basically the same sort of league they're in now. And we we actually played uh, shared with Tooting and Mitchum because they were building the new stadium. And my remit from the chairman at the time was we we got to get up. Because we're going into a new stadium, so so how did you find you know going from one side of the white line to the other side of the white line? How did you did that give you a newfound respect for managers or? Uh, well, I've, I've I've always respected managers. It's the hardest job in the world, you know. Like you can't please everybody, but uh, no, I, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I was quite. I suppose I was old school. You know, I, I remember one game. Uh, I, had a, I had an assistant, a guy called Dixon Gill. He's a local Croydon boy, been involved with Croydon, chairman of Croydon FC, a great guy and a really good coach. 
And uh, he said to me one day, he said, he said, I'm not happy. He said, like, I go into the dressing room. He said, I get in there at quarter to two. There's four players already get their kit on and you haven't even picked a team. And I, I just went, that's all right, don't worry about it. So the following week, I actually went in 10 minutes later than I normally. And I said, right, I'll read the team out. And the four players that were sitting there with a kit on weren't in the team. So they, they had to then... Fantastic. So there was, a, there was some of that. One of the lads that was a really good player come out to me after. He said, Jimmy says, that's the best come down I've ever seen in my life. He said, and I guarantee you next week, we'll all be sitting there with our civvies on. Waiting. And it was, just, it was just a silly little thing. But I just, I, I never ever spoke about what I did in football. Uh, I just, uh, people say to me, well, he, don't, he can't do this. And I went, well, I've not asked him to do that, this. I want him to do that. And if he does that, he'll, he'll do me. And we had a really good side. I always remember we had to win seven games. Last seven games, we had to win to go up. And we won seven of them, I think, mostly Fantastic. by 1-0. And uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. And I, I would have liked to have gone on a bit further. But we started, players were getting taken away because we didn't have any money. We were on a very low budget um, and I just got a little bit fed up and there was a couple of people like upset my assistant and uh, I, I had words one day and I said, right, that's it. And I, I just, I'd had enough. I, we weren't doing as well as I would have liked anyway. And I thought, why am I doing this? I've got, a, I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go working. And uh, I thought, right, that's it. I'll call it a day. So all I'd done then is I'd, where I used to live in Chipstead, there was a local club and uh, I got involved with them and I would help them out. Uh, I mean, I got involved quite a lot, but I managed them for one year. Um, but that's purely because they were five minutes away from where I live. And, uh, but work took over. I got too busy and uh, I was Any quite regrets? happy. Any regrets? Um, no, not really. Not really. If I That's a good back, thing, surely, isn't it? I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd change anything now. I was like, uh, I had a really enjoyable 18 years at Palace. Saw some amazing changes and ups and downs, which you're going to get anyway. And uh, I enjoyed me spells with non-league. I mean, I would, I'd John Steele, I was with Dagenham and Redbridge with John Steele for, a, for about a month. Then I decided it was too far to travel to to what a Hainault Forest to train, like from where I lived. Uh, well, you travelled down to Port- Bristol for one game. What's the matter? Oh, that with was you? just one. That was, yeah, but that was a professional outfit. I thought <laughs> this might work out until he told me what the money was. But, yeah, so I've got. I, I can't have any regrets. You know, like I, you can look back sometimes and think, "Oh, if only I've done that." But, no. Well, that, I, I'm pleased. I'm pleased for you that there are no regrets anyway. But um, uh, as you say, I probably probably regrets of thousands of people watching this that they didn't get a proper chance to say goodbye to you. But then you're back at the club anyway, mate. Yeah, I mean, I see. It's great, and you're enjoying that. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good fun. You know, I, I have I look after Speroni's restaurant. It can be anything up to 140 people in there. I just go on the mic and chat about the games and the fans and the away teams and like just go around and chat to them, do a little raffle. So 
it's yeah, it's fine. Then you get get to watch a game of football. Not always enjoyable, but well, actually, let, well, let's talk about it. We've we touched <laughs> upon it uh, uh, a bit now. So, um, what are your thoughts on the current squad and where we are at the minute? Um, well, defensively... Without, put, without putting yourself in hot water with the club, by the way. No, I don't worry about things like that. If the club sacked me tomorrow, I'd say, no problem, thanks. <laughs> like it's, I'd, I've never worried about anything like that. If the fat set people, then... I apologise, but I don't care. Okay. Uh, um, no, I, I, defensively, I think we've had so many changes and different people. Uh, I don't actually think Roy probably knows what his best back four is at the moment. You know, I don't know if Van Arn not. He's not a great defender, but we do miss him going forward. Uh, long young lad Mitchell. He's, he he looks like he's going to be a good player, but. He does, and, and as I, you know, as we were saying that we, this is the day after the West Ham game, I thought yesterday was probably his poorest game, and yeah. you got, got to expect that of someone of his age, and he still only had like eleven or twelve games. And Kuwait um, had a really sort of iffy game yesterday, from what I saw. Uh, but our biggest problem is scoring goals. It always has been. Been techy. He's blowing a little bit hot and cold. It's. When he got back, he looked as if he was half getting back to what he was. And then, I can't remember what game it was, the home game the other couple of weeks ago. And every ball that came up to him, he was either on his heels, he couldn't control, it would bounce him off of him. And you think, this this is never, if we can't get a ball up to somebody, hold on. So was it the other Sheffield United game, was it? Yeah, probably. Well, well, I don't know if we, did we win that? Game? No. We won that. Maybe yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. Maybe Newcastle. I don't know. Uh, and Wilfred. I actually feel sorry for Wilfred. He's like, he's he's far better than, he should be a better club than Crystal Palace. Uh, I'm saying that. I'm not saying that. In a, I don't really want him to go, but if he, he could do so much more if he was playing in a, a better team. I think I think you're spot on. I I don't think you're saying anything that any of the fan base would disagree with. Maybe the other few because of their own selfish reasons. But I think we owe him that move. I think we yeah. owe you know stop trying to hold on to him, let him go, give him what he what he deserves. But the Benteke thing, I, I just wondered whether you think it's the system that we're playing. Uh, are we too negative? Are we supplying the, the the necessary ammunition for a player like Benteke? Well. <laughs> Probably not in the sense when we play 4 3 3, when you've got Townsend and Wilfred on either wing, both of them invariably come inside. Venteki wants everything up in the air, really. And we've got two wingers that spend most of the game coming inside and maybe try to have a shot at goal. And uh, as, a, as a centre forward, he must be thinking, well, they, they should just be trying to get down the line and getting crosses in. You know, if it don't work, then you try and change something. But we we invariably don't do it very much. Uh, when we play 4-3-3, Wilfred spends 60% of his energy chasing back. Mm. And our fear for Eze, because the one thing Roy wants is players that have great responsibility. And if they've got to run back, they've got to run back. And I watched Manchester United the other day. And uh, Rashford stood 
10 yards off the halfway line in his own half, while Trent Alexander and Robertson on the other side were pushing forward. And as soon as they won it, it just came out. Sometimes you've got to say, just stay up there. We'll yeah, deal to, with this. You've got to cheat. We'll deal with this. I, I, I think, um, and I'm mindful this is, this is about you and your career, but this will probably be the last word we say on the current team. I'm mindful of the fact that it's such a defensive-minded team and it's such a defensive-minded drill that's, that's drilled into them. I agree with you about the flair. Um, it, it's hard once you, once you defend, 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 to go a goal down, it's then hard to then go it's attack. Tender. It's like uh, uh, Terry Venables used to always say, it's not tap water. You can't turn it on after it's been turned off. He said, it's not that easy. He said, you, 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 you've got, if you don't start how you meet you go on, it's very hard then to try and change it. And uh, I just think, I think Roy, uh, he's done an unbelievable job and I would never sort of have a go at him, but he's a defensive minded, he sets us up not to lose a game. And then hopefully on a breakaway or, and I'm fed up watching games against crappy teams at home where they're, they're all over us for 40 minutes. And then the second half, we come out and we actually go at them. And you think, well, why didn't you start like that? So, but that's just my opinion. Well, and, and well, listen, I'm, it's great to hear it as well, Jim. Uh, listen, I've got to say a massive thank you for answering the call and agreeing to do this. No problem. I'm, I'm sure people will love it. And obviously, as I said, I'll send you the link when it's out. Excellent. Um, but um, that all, all that leaves me to say now is, mate, uh, Cannon, thank you very much for being certainly my hero, and I know a lot of people's heroes out there. Thank you. That's no problem at all. Thank you.